outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on Seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 57. Today in the show, it's our 2015 challenge episode. Stick around and we'll explain. Alright, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, brought to you by Sitka Gear. Now, today's episode is going to be a little different than usual, as we've got kind of a unique topic and a shorter episode, because in all honesty, I've kind of got some chaos going on here at the moment at home, so uh, we're going to have to keep things brief, but it's going to be a good one nonetheless. And with that said, rather than beating around the bush, Dan, today we're going to be challenging each other, both you and me. And our listeners, we're all going to get challenged. So what exactly does that mean? Are you asking me? Yeah, I am. Okay. Okay. I thought that was one of those, and what is the meaning of life type of questions? (laughs) No, that was just for you. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I, you know, I was... I do a lot of brainstorming, as you know, by the random texts that you get from me right. all or the like time. The, or like the sound effect brainstorm last yep, week. Yeah, the sound. And, you know, we did a little test with our audience, and they didn't like that. They thought I was dumb. <laughs> you know, I didn't get any real feedback on that yet, so I, we might maybe we should call out and see what they want, you know? Yep, you're right. You're right. Maybe you're right. We probably shouldn't give up on it too too quickly. Right. I think you. I think we should keep on <laughs> testing that out and uh, tweet tweet at us um, and give us your feedback on that this week because I think maybe I think there's a future for you with the sound effect game, Dan. Okay. All right. You like the guy off the movie uh, Police Academy movies? I haven't seen them. Oh my god, that really shows your age. You were born <laughs> like what, fifteen years ago? Yeah, two thousand. So I'm just approaching sixteen <laughs> years old. <laughs> hey, you're doing pretty good. You know, for a sixteen year old, doing my best. So, <laughs> off topic already. Yeah, that's how we roll. Um, so challenges. You were brainstorming. You brought this idea to me. Yes. Go. All right. So, I think as hunters, we kind of get into a, a a rut or a routine where we do the same thing over and over, and we don't we don't feel comfortable getting outside of that com- of that comfort zone. We we kind of um, lose ourselves in routine. And although deer are uh, an animal of routine, I feel that the best way to learn an animal of routine is to kind of get outside your routine as a hunter and, and maybe um, try something different. So I talked, to, I talked to you and I was like, hey man, how about you challenge me a couple things and I'll challenge you a couple things and, uh, um, and maybe we'll, uh, we'll see if that – we, we will promise that we will do that. You know, whatever we, whatever our challenge is, we will promise that we'll do it a couple times throughout the season, and uh, and we'll see if it works, and see if we like it, see if we don't like it, and then you know we'll we'll uh, we'll save this episode, and then we'll we'll touch back on it, you know, maybe halfway through the season, or if the season's 
at, when the season's over and, and see uh, see if it worked or not. Yeah, and I, I like the idea. And I was, you know, as you know, I was thinking about it too. And I got to thinking, you know, it's a great idea for you and me to challenging each other and for us to come back and talk about it. But I also thought, why don't we also think of a challenge for the listeners? Yep. You know, based on some of the things we've talked about maybe in the past or some things that you and me have been thinking about, let's give a challenge or two to the listeners. And I haven't told you this yet, but I was thinking, you know, let's let's put the challenge out there. And okay. then what I want to do is is I want to reward those people that want to participate in the challenge in some way. So this is kind of spitballing here, but what do you think, Dan, about, you know, we'll get to that challenge. Everyone gets to hear what that challenge is. And what we're going to ask people to do is this season, this hunting season, if someone listening today actually fulfills that challenge, goes out there and, and does that, experiences that, tries that, if you remember this, and if you come back to this episode, this actual blog post for this episode, wiredtohunt.com slash episode 57, go to that and leave a comment explaining who you are and how you completed that task. We're going to pick one winner in, I'd say, December. I'll pick one person that's left a comment here at the very beginning, December 1st, I guess, unless our challenge is you know, our, our later season. But at the end of this episode, I guess I'll figure out our date. And I am going to buy one person that completes this challenge a Sitka Fanatic hoodie. Out of my own pocket, wow. I'll buy a Sitka Fanatic hoodie for one of the people. We'll, we'll randomly pick one person that writes an explanation of how they completed that challenge. So that's, that's a good deal. That's my thought. I thought that'd be kind of cool. And I want you know people to, to really think about this and try some of these things. So I think that's a good idea. Uh, yeah, considering, uh, that Sika jacket's pretty badass. Yeah, pretty legit. So, so that's, uh, I'm up in the ante here, Dan, up in the ante. All right. So hopefully our, uh, hopefully our listeners have what it takes. <laughs> what do you think? Do they have it? <laughs> I, I hope so. I, I think they got, they've got a better chance of, of pulling it off than you or me probably do. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a fact. Cause we most likely don't have what it takes. <laughs> Based on how you sounded when you got on the call about 10 minutes ago, you definitely don't have what it takes right now, my friend. You sound yeah. rough. You sound yeah. hag you sound haggard. Haggard? Yeah. That's kind of cool like Myrtle Haggard or like like living in a ditch haggard. No, like you live underneath a bridge on a steady diet of government cheese. That kind nice. of haggard. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Perfect. That's that's not what I was going for. No, I didn't but, think so. Uh, that's what happens when you have uh um, a kid that cries all the time. And if you listen carefully, you might be able to hear him in the background right now. Yeah, the, he'll, the Mac will cover our sound effects today, right? Yep, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so it's been a little rough lately, huh? Well, he doesn't sleep. And when he doesn't sleep, that means the, the rest of the family doesn't sleep. And then that just adds to the snowball of stress that is my life. Yep. <laughs> How much are you looking forward to that week-long vacation out in Idaho? <laughs> yeah, I hear you. No, it's all good though. It's part of it. Yep. Parenting, right? Parenting. Yep. Yeah, I love it. We uh I'll get back to you in maybe three or four years and give you my opinion on it. My my red beard is slowly turning gray. <laughs> my wife actually found a couple white hairs in my my faux beard, my tempting yeah. beard. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, so I'll nice, be catching nice. up to you. But well, should we get the party started? Yeah, yeah, we should. Challenges challenges yeah and i don't know this is your idea so do you want to talk to me about the first challenge i've got for the 2015 season yeah i'll kick it off um and my my challenge to you is kind of uh it's kind of a two-parter so it's one challenge kind of two parts but all right so i've talked to you and expressed that i am a big fan of hunting mornings in the early season right you have so that is my challenge to you is to try to find a stand location that might be beneficial hunting the early season. So let you know the between the the food plots or your food source, your food plots or whatever, and the bedding areas. So my challenge to you is to, you know, when you're going to your Ohio lease in September when you get back or August when you get back, 
um, to maybe set up some stands or even on your Michigan property or wherever you're hunting this year is to keep that in mind um, that I feel that there are several benefits. And if you do it right, you can be successful hunting early season in October. So you're going to make me go against my, my, uh, my gut instincts on this one, huh? Yep. All right. Well, for those people listening, do you want to give your take on why? I know we've talked about this before, but for maybe some people hadn't heard this, do you want to give your take on why you think that's a good idea? And maybe I can give my two cents on why I've hesitated from doing that too much recently? Yep, for sure, for sure. So in the past, I have found some stand locations um, where I have, and this is this is kind of part of the question, is being able to find an access route in there without spooking a deer. So if you're, if you, let's say the, if you look at a compass, all right, the west is a bedding area, the east is a food plot, all right? So if you can find an access route in between those two lines, preferably closer to the bedding area uh, from the north or from the south direction, you know, um, so it'd be, so you're not going through the bedding area or going through uh, the food plot or, you know, food source to get to the stand location, I feel that if you get into your stand early enough while early season, while these deer are kind of still on a, on a pattern. And if you can match that kind of with a cold front or some cooler mornings, I have seen just as good as success running into, uh, mature deer coming back from a food source to their bed, uh, in this early, you know, this early to mid October range. Okay. All right, you make a you make a strong case, okay. and I will I'll take you up on it. I will do at least one October early or October morning hunt, and mm-hmm. I'll try to find a place that's conducive to that where I'll have a minimal risk of bumping deer and yep. still be in a position where I might be able to intercept a buck. Um, and here's my two cents on, and, and, and you you know what I'm gonna say, yep. but so the reason why you know. I, I used to hunt mornings in that early October all the time until like three years ago when I finally started paying more attention to, um, to like your odds for every sit. I'm, I'm looking at the odds of success for every sit. And then on one side, like my left hand, I'm going to look at my odds for success. And on my right side, my right hand, I'm going to look at the risk of educating deer. And so the way I've started approaching my hunting season is every time I'm thinking about going out to hunt. I'm going to look at those odds. I'm going to look at, okay, how likely is it that I could have success in this location and on this date and with these conditions versus how likely is it that I might spook something? And so when I'm looking at those early October mornings, in most cases that I've seen and from a lot of the people that are smarter than me who, who've shared with me their experiences, in most cases, not all, but in the majority, mature bucks are usually returning to bed very early at that time of year. So they're either back into their beds before daylight or very close to their beds before daylight. And so the risk is then if I'm trying to get into a tree stand and if I want to be in a stand where I have a chance at those bucks during daylight, I've got to be, you know, relatively close to their beds. Either they're already going to be there. So I'm going to walk in there and spook them or I'll spook them on my way there as they're, you know, moving through that timber at the same time I am. And if all those things don't happen, even if I get in there without spooking them and before they get there, most often mature bucks will circle downwind of their bedding locations before actually going into bed in the morning. Based on, you know, things like what Dan Infalls told us and a number of other smart guys. Um, and then I'll get winded in those cases. So what I've decided is that I think that the the odds of success are higher in evenings in early October, especially if I don't screw it up in the mornings. So, right. so that said that, that there's no rule. And I totally understand that, you know, there have been tons and tons of examples. I'm sure where you or other people listening have seen mature bucks in the morning, have gotten shots in early October. I even, you know, October 2nd or 3rd, like three or four years ago, I was hunting and I almost got a shot at the buck um, that I killed two years ago, three years after that point, um, six shooter, I had an encounter with him coming back to bed and I almost got a shot at him. So I know, I know it's possible. Um, I've just decided to, to hold off on those morning hunts. Cause I think the odds for success are low, pretty low. They're not impossible, but they're pretty low, but the risks are pretty high. So 
that's my I you know that's my take on it. You know, oh. and I and I and I know your t- your take on it too. So I'll give it a shot. I'm gonna try to think hard about it and try to figure out the place where I could pull it off. Maybe now a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were onto something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from heart and soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised grass-fed and finished cattle heart and soils unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean convenient taste-free capsule find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash MeatEater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash MeatEater. Now, I want to give you a couple quick tips. Yes, let's hear it. Now, we're not talking about going in and this is like a morning running gun set, all right? What, What... why I have decided to hunt some mornings is because I have evidence through trail cameras or previous scouting that a buck is using this particular area. All right. So you said you mentioned odds of having success and I am a hundred percent that person. I, I like to put all the um, odds in my favors, you know, stack everything where I'm going to be successful. And you're not going to do that by just going in and, and hunting close to a bedding area in the morning hoping a target buck comes in. I want you to pay attention to your trail cameras and make sure the wind is right so that you avoid those, uh, uh, put your stand in the right location so you avoid when those bucks come potentially to downwind into their bed area, you have that advantage. And you know that through trail camera history, you have the advantage where, I shouldn't say the advantage, but the statistics of this buck using this bedding area coming in and out of a particular uh, food source is at its highest. So I'm not talking about, hey, let's just go hunt mornings. I'm talking about put the, you know, do your, do your scouting, run your trail cameras, find a best case scenario, then go hunt. That sounds fair. I can yep. do that. And I, think, I don't, um... you know, just like me and you, man, you know, just like me, just like you, we, I'm not going to do anything stupid. I'm not going to go <laughs> yeah. run in there and say, hey, let's go hunt a morning just because. Yep. Yeah. No, I think you got to be smart about it. And I think, yep. you know, when I do this, I'll be looking at a couple things, you know, just uh, spitballing here what I'm thinking. I think, you know, like you mentioned, um, you know, I'll probably be looking for a weather front. You know, I'm, I'm going to look for something that might give me just a little more of an edge and keep those deer on their feet just a little bit longer because what I want to avoid is I want to avoid, you know, going into an area where a buck has already moved into bed. So on a day where a big cold front's hit, he might be a little more likely to stay out feeding a little bit later. And so then, like you said too, I'll need to have an access route where I can avoid that food source where he's at or where he's close to. And I need to come in through the back door and get closer to that bedding area and and, uh, and find that, that right spot on the right time. Another thing I'll do, which is something I, I do um, 
you know, for all my morning hunts, but especially if I were to be hunting in the early season is I like to get in there really early. Um, some of my friends think I'm crazy, but I like to be in there. Ideally, I like to be in there an hour and a hour and a half before daylight. Mm -hmm. Um, especially when you have camera gear, I figure if I get in there an hour and a half before daylight, by the time I get up in my tree and finagle with all that junk up in there, by about an hour before daylight, I can then sit completely quietly and I've got a good 60 minutes to just let everything quiet down. And you know, and you know this cause you've heard me talk about this for so many times, but I'm just OCD about all the details. I want to do every single possible little thing I can do to make sure that's a, a, a high likely or make sure it's as good of a hunt as possible. And right. I would rather sacrifice sleep to be able to feel a little more comfortable about the, you know, my, my odds of getting in there without spooking something. So, so that's what I'll do. And that's, um, I know some people, you know, don't like the idea of getting up even earlier than they have to and sitting in a tree for that long, but I like to get in there an hour and a half beforehand and I'll strap myself in tight to the tree. So I'll have my safety harness on and then I've got a lineman's rope that I'll sometimes take and strap it tighter on my chest and I'll just, I'll sleep for that hour. Um, I, I can just pass out and I'm tight to the tree, so I'm not going to fall out at all. And my body kind of naturally has gotten like a, a natural alarm clock. So as soon as it seems to be starting at daylight, I usually pop my eyes open. I'm, I've gotten a pretty good system for that. So that'll be what I'll do. Nice. Well, good luck, Mark. Thank you, Dan. Um, <laughs> well, we'll have to check back in in October once I do this and, yeah, uh, for sure. and see how that goes. So right. now I've got a challenge for you. Okay, here we go. And this one's going to be equally painful. Oh, boy. Yeah. So one thing I really like to do, and this is related to hunting mornings as well, is in November, I'm a big fan of utilizing every minute of daylight during the rut to capitalize <laughs> on the potential odds for success. So, so Dan... You don't want to miss out on that late morning or the midday cruising. It happens. You know, last year, uh, last year I was hunting with my buddy Josh, and around one o'clock, a giant eight pointer. He was at least five and a half and well over one forty. Just a massive framed eight pointer. Right at one o'clock, I was actually standing up in the tree stand taking a leak, and this buck came cruising in. And if we'd been out having lunch, would have never seen him. Uh, let's take a step back two years ago to the Ohio property. I was hunting all day and around, excuse me, around 11 o'clock, the buck that we call Glenn cruised by. And then an hour and a half later at about, well, I guess it's closer to one thirty ish somewhere on there. Um, jawbreaker, you know, the infamous jawbreaker. We all know he came cruising by and I rattled him in around one thirty that afternoon. So one day in the middle of the day, both target bucks, Glenn and Jawbreaker, cruise through there in the middle of the day. So I'm a big believer during the heat of the rut, sticking it out all day, as painful as that can be sometimes. So my challenge for you, Mr. Dan Johnson, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to make this tougher than tougher than maybe what you're even thinking. I know. I want you to hunt from daylight to dark a minimum of twice during the 2015 season. I'd like to see you do it three or four times, but I'm going to say two days. I want two full days from daylight to dark during the rut. You can't leave the tree, find a place that's good for all day movement and stick it out. I'll do it. (laughs) You son of a gun. I'll do it. (laughs) I want you to, you know, stretch your knees out that morning, get hot pads or something to keep your, keep your legs good (laughs) and brave the elements. So we're talking the same tree stand, right? Yeah, you, you gotta okay. find you gotta find a stand that's going to be a good all day stand. So like find a rut stand, you know, yep. back in the timber a little bit. That's a funnel that you know they can move through at any point, and and stick it out there because there's definitely times when it makes sense to move in the morning, move again yeah. in the afternoon. There's plenty of times, but there are also lots of spots where you can stick it out all day and, and see that see that movement. And by staying there, you know, you minimize the chances of bumping something, you know, as you make that shift. So. Two days, all day, one, it can be, you know, both days don't need to be the same stand, but for each day, the full, the full, like 13, 14 hours of daylight. Okay. So. And I knew this was coming. <laughs> I, I did not mentally prepare for it, but it is very hard for me to do that. And 
I, I, I completely agree from a number standpoint, more time in the stand, the better, but you're asking me to do something that I don't do hardly ever. I know it's not and, easy. And, um, I'm going to do it just because you've asked me politely. <laughs> you know, my, my parents always told me that manners, <laughs> manners matter. So in this case it worked. <laughs> um, so here's a couple tips for you for, for handling the all day set. All right. Number one, pick one of your more comfortable tree stands. You know, okay. if you if you're using one of your running gun setups with the lone wolf, you know they've got a a decent seat, but you might even want to bring an extra cushion if you're gonna okay. be sitting for that long. I sometimes do that. I've got a cushion for a muddy tree stand that's extra thick that I like a lot, and every once in a while I'll bring that along, put that on top of a tree stand if it's got a lousy seat. So your cushion's important. Gotta have snacks. I don't know about you, but for me during the rut, if I'm doing it all day, like the only especially if it's a slow day and you know, lots of times that's how it'll go. Like it's the, the hunt sucks. You're not seeing anything. And if you leave what you want to, then you don't end up seeing the deer that comes through at noon when you never would have thought deer came through. So I bring snacks and I like plan. Like that's the thing I have to look forward to all day. So I'm like, okay, 10 o'clock, I get a bag of Skittles and I look forward to that for four <laughs> hours. And then at noon I'll get to eat the sandwich. And then I'm really pumped between 1130 and noon because I know a sandwich is coming. And then at like two o'clock, I'm allowed to have my Snickers bar or whatever it might be. And I, I bring enough to span, you know, like every couple hours I've got some little snack to look forward to. <laughs> I bring snacks when I check my trail cameras. <laughs> <laughs> it gets you through that 10 minute walk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or, or the, the five yard walk between the truck and the trail camera. <laughs> right. Get back in the truck. Oh gosh. Give me my protein bar. <laughs> I need to, I need to carb load. Well, uh, you might need to bring a second backpack for all the food you'll need for this thing. <laughs> and bring water. Bring lots water. of water. Yep. And I usually bring like a one caffeinated drink too, like a Mountain Dew or something. Yep. I did bring coffee last year because it was so cold. Yeah, there were some cold days during the end of the rut, weren't there? Yep. That was brutal. So I think you can do it. And I think if you're right. in the right spot at the right time, you know, you don't need to do it. You know, wait for it when, the, when it's like the rut is popping, those best days. If you've got the if you've got the right spot and the rut's popping, it's worth sitting out there. So um, I know that I'm going to talk to you like six months from now on November sixth, and we're going to be calling in at like nine o'clock at night since we couldn't call at the usual time because we're out hunting, yep. and you're going to be tired as hell, whooped and angry at me, but because I didn't see a damn deer. <laughs> <laughs> but then the next day you're going to do it again. And then you're going to text me and tell me, dude, I just saw a 165 six year old cruise through at. 1245 nice. and I'll be your best friend. I hope so, man. So that is my first challenge for you. Right. Do you have a, do you have another challenge you want to throw my way or is that all I got to work for? Before we get to that, we need to pause for a quick message from our partners at Sika gear. Now, as I mentioned last week, moving forward, we're going to be hearing a little bit in each episode from a Sika gear employee, Dennis Zuck about a number of things related to whitetail clothing and Sika gear. So to kick that off, this week, I just wanted for us to get to know who Dennis is. So here's Dennis explaining exactly what he does at Sitka as a product category leader. Uh, Mark, essentially, you know, it's my job to look at the, the whitetail space and think about, you know, what is it that people don't have today or, or what would make a better hunt for them um, and, and look at the technologies and the things that the world has within it and think about how to configure those things together to make a better product, a different product, something that's unique and interesting. Um, predominantly, that's it. But then also think about, you know, where does it go and where are people buying and, you know, where where do they make those decisions? Is it is it Cabela's? Is it where is it? So there's a lot of that and thinking about how to position it, and make sure people understand where we're going with that that concept of that idea that I might I might or others or our ambassadors or athletes might come up with. And being a big time whitetail hunter yourself, does this even feel like work? Or is it just like play? <laughs> you know, it feels like both. You know, you know, I'm, I'm absolutely, I grew up as a young kid, you know, whitetail hunting with my father and really always been an archery guy. Uh, you know, coming to these things and you're like, well, that's going to be a lot of fun. And it never quit being fun. But there's absolutely a business here and there's absolutely a lot of work that goes into to making these kind of products. So, you know, it feels like both, but it's something that I wake up every day happy to do and excited to do. And, you know, I really feel like doing this, you get to make a difference to the people who you care about. And if you grew up in that space and, and it's something that means something to you and 
you know, when your kids are doing it and other people are doing it, you know, there's a lot of joy that comes from that. Not a bad gig at all, I'd say. So to all of you listening, tune in next week for more from Dennis, product category leader at Sika Gear, where they turn work into play and clothing into gear. Now, back to the episode. Okay. I know you do it a little bit already, but I'm a firm believer if an area is hot, an area is hot. All right. And this is kind of like a run and gun type thing too, which you already do. But if an area is hot, if the wind is wrong, I don't want you to, I don't want you to not hunt it. I want you to find alternate access routes to your tree stands for all wind directions. So if you have to do a run and gun some evening because coming into a bedding area clear from the opposite side, look at your maps, find alternate access routes to your stand locations. So if you do have a buck coming to a trail camera, you are able to go hunt that area regardless of the wind direction. And then does that apply to, you know, my tree stand locations too. So I, I might need to find an alternative uh, access route, but also I might need to pop in an alternate tree stand to be able to hunt that area because my current stand is not quite right. That's correct. That's correct. So, you know, this kind of rolls into the more time in the tree, the better. And if you are, because, you know, as we know in the rut, we could get a very small window to a, to, to move in on a deer. And if we're moving out of the area because the wind is bad, then we're giving up on that deer, basically. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. And I think, you know, what you're saying is what I know I should do in a lot of cases. And you and you know you should do, right? When, when you've yep. got the right spot. But gosh, sometimes it can be really, more so for me, because I'm not running gunning quite as much as you are. So it, it still does feel kind of inconvenient when I have to go in there with all my crap on my back and set up a tree stand. I, I sometimes avoid that just cause I'm, you know, occasionally get lazy. So mm-hmm. this will be pushing me to, you know, not give into that laziness and just find a way to make it work and hang the stand when you have to, because that's the spot to be. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating you know some organ the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill i had that when i was a little kid and it was a big deal organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients and as often is the case those guys were on to something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and Soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. Yeah. I think that's, that's correct. I think that's a fair challenge. It's what I you know, it's what I gotta there's, do. And there's really no tips and tricks to it. I mean it's 
look at the weather map to find where the wind direction is, study your, uh, your maps to find the best access route and, um, you know, where the bedding areas or food source or, or pinch point or whatever you're actually hunting that particular day. And you just got to do it. And even if it means cutting out one or two extra tree stands in August, you got to do it. Yeah. I think, you know, now that I'm thinking about this, it's it's funny too, a small move, like even like a 40 yard move, you might have a current stand in an area and the wind's wrong for it right there. But even if you move, you know, 30, 40 yards over, then all of a sudden you might be able to hunt it just fine. Yep. So it's just a matter of, you know, dealing with that inconvenience of pulling down a set and hanging one up or, you know, bringing in a new set to hang up. Um, and this exact thing actually happened to me last year with the deer I killed in Ohio in November. Um, I had a tree stand 35 or 40 yards away from where I eventually hung a stand that morning, but I knew that that was going to be in the wrong spot for the wind. And if, if I was hunting that original tree stand, it would blow my wind right through where I thought these deer would walk through. And so, you know, I had to come in at three thirty in the morning and hang a new set and it was a pain in the butt, but I'm glad I did because that buck came right in and you know, I had the wind blowing away from him instead of right to him. So, right. And that's, gotta do it. I've actually been, um, I've wrote a couple articles on the nine finger Chronicles, uh, site called micromanaging tree stands or, or tree stand micromanagement. And the whole point of that is exactly what you just said, being able to move in an area where the deer are and not having to lay off without, you know, you know, lay off that area and let the deer then, you know, find another doe that's in heat and then they're gone again and you have to find them all over again. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think there's been a few examples, you know, just as I think through the past few years where I was too quick to abandon an area where there was, you know, there was some action going on and there was a hot doe in the area and I probably could have pushed the, pushed the envelope a little bit more if I yep. would have been willing to do it. And I, and looking back, I should have, but instead I moved on to somewhere else because of the wind or because of whatever. And, uh, I think I missed out on opportunities probably. So, so I will, uh, challenge number two accepted challenge number two accepted. All right, good. So I got a final challenge for you then too. All right. Sounds good. And this one, I'm not going to force you to do this year, but I'm going to ask that you do it either this year or next year. Okay. I want you, Dan Johnson, to hunt whitetails outside of Iowa. Mm. I want you to try hunting whitetails outside of Iowa. And even I'm going to push you outside of like that core hotspot, like northern Missouri, western Illinois, and Iowa. Like right that, that spot right next to where you're at, the, the heart of the land of giants. I want you to try hunting whitetails somewhere else, even if it's for, just for a weekend. I want you to experience what guys in Pennsylvania or Michigan or New York or Georgia or Tennessee or wherever. I want you to experience a little bit of the different side of whitetail hunting. Okay. So you have an open invite to come to Michigan if you want to come hunt here for a weekend to give it a try. Um, or, you know, we'll uh, you can venture off anywhere you want. Or you and me, maybe we'll figure out a trip next year or something to go somewhere for a long weekend, public land in some other state, and, and test the waters there too. So that's that's my challenge is to okay. is to test the waters in a different state. Okay, it's going to have to be next year. Yeah, but uh, challenge accepted. Um, and the only reason that I might not, and I don't want to sound like I'm giving an excuse right away. But if my wife kills me because I decide to go out of state for another hunt, then we might have a problem. Understood. And, and I, I, you know, I can't, if, I, if you're dead, you can't draw back a bow, you know, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I, I will. Well, I'll have to find some way to, to get someone to fulfill your obligations. Or maybe there can be some money that's set in your will. So if you can't fulfill this, well, I'll get like a chunk of change or something. But, but And that's why I say it can be a very short amount of time. It can be a weekend trip and... You know, find a place with a cheap out-of-state license and yep. somewhere you can scoot to for a quick weekend in the middle of October and just just see. And uh, if we can get the wife to write to sign off on it, I think it'd be a good idea. All right. So that's a doozy, isn't it? That's uh that that one takes some planning and preparation. It's not just a simple go out into your timber and and give her a try. But uh, um, I know a guy who has a lease in Ohio 
<laughs> that I think I might try to hunt. That one's a, that's a pretty good property too. <laughs> that that guy in Ohio is trying to find more properties in Ohio too. So hopefully I have a bigger piece at that point. So nice, nice. We'll uh, we'll have to check back in on that in a year. But keep in mind, do some thinking about it, and um, I think it'll be good good fodder for us to talk about some different places too. Yeah. So those are those are the challenges. I have got to test some morning hunts in the early season and I've got to stay committed to hot spots and find alternate stand locations or access routes if they are present. So that's what I got to do. And I am sitting all day long. Why does mine mine just seems like the hardest one. <laughs> well, hey, congratulations. You get a sit two two days in a row or two days next November. All day long. What are you going to do with your time? I'm going to have to like find, download some movies or something. Or I, I don't want to hear it, dude. I, I'm I know. Be I'm just 14, bitching. 14 days straight, I'll be in there all day probably. So I'll text you after your second day and see how your knees are treating you and <laughs> if you need me to send you a comfort pack or anything. So, so. It's like a sympathy card. Exactly. We'll check. Download some ebooks. I, I get some ebooks on my phone so you can read a little bit, you know, read a couple words, look up read a couple words some people or i could just visit wiredtohunt.com for (laughs) all my (laughs) yep (laughs) yeah why wasn't that the original tip just go to wiredtohunt.com for deer hunting news stories and strategies that'll cover you smart man my last one is to start uh planning for another out-of-state whitetail hunt yeah i'm really pushing your limits here aren't i hey sometimes the limits need to be pushed true story so that said then then we have listener challenge we've got a listener challenge so i've got one for listeners and did you come up with a challenge for listeners i did unless yours is the same as mine uh well i guess i don't know what yours is but uh i don't know what yours is well you want to (laughs) well you should go first you sure yeah you're the host well, you're the co-host, but okay. That means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad to I'm glad to come to terms with the situation, Dan. <laughs> All right, so my challenge for everyone listening is I want everyone listening to go out and ask for permission on at least one new spot this summer. So, even if you current even if you own ground or you already have several places that are great, you can never have too many options. It's, you know, properties disappear. If you have permission on three spots, it seems like every other year you're going to lose one. Another one comes in, you lose one. Um, You can never have too many options these days, especially if you're trying to hunt as many days as you can. Maybe you have a week vacation and the wind's wrong for your property this day and that day. If you had another spot, you've got options. So I want to challenge everyone to at least ask once. I know some people just don't like asking for permission. Some people do it all the time, and it's not a big deal. So for those guys and girls out there, you're in the clear. This will be an easy one for you. But I know there's some of you listening who hate the idea of walking up to a random door, knocking on it, and asking that guy or girl or whoever if you can hunt on their back 40. That's not easy for everyone. I don't even like doing it very much. I um I end up avoiding it more times than not, but I'm trying every year to get better at it. And um, I want to challenge everyone to do that. So what I'm going to do, you know, like I mentioned earlier, is if you decide to accept that challenge, come back to the blog post for this one and leave us a comment talking about how that went. So that's my challenge. What do you think about that, Dan? I think that's a a very good challenge. Um, And it really is the starting point for any hunt is obtaining ground. Yeah. And it's also, even though, you know, for those who are a little shy or don't like doing that stuff, it can be painful in the moment. But like, as soon as you ask, it's like this weight is off your shoulders. And if you got permission, it's a whole new world of opportunities. Who knows what could be on that new property? You know, it could be a totally different type of hunting situation than what you're used to. It could be the promised land. You never know until you ask. So I always say, well, I'm not always, a friend of mine always said, and it's rubbed off on me that, you know, right now, before you ask, the, the answer is already no. So it can't get any worse. You might as well ask and maybe get a yes. So so that's what I want everyone to try. Awesome. What about you? What about you, Dan? Mine is something that we've been preaching on this show for since the very beginning, basically. And that is to be more mobile. When you're tired and you don't want to move that tree stand, 
have a little conversation with your inside self and move your tree stand. If you, if you're seeing a deer movement, you know, closer to a fence line or in a different draw or in a different part of the area that you're in, I want you to tear your tree stand down and move it period. And it sucks sometimes. It sucks ass. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> I suppose it does. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm talking, it, it really does. It sucks. I mean, there's nothing more than, you know, having all your tree stands up, you're, you're ready to go for the season and you've been hunting five or six days in a row. You're exhausted and you're watching the, a big buck come out of a different point or a different draw into a, into a, you know, a, a cornfield and you know, you have to go there, but you're talking yourself in to maybe he'll come by this way. Maybe he'll come here. Maybe he'll come here. Maybe he'll come here. There's a good chance that you got out of that tree stand. He already did come through after dark. He busted or he, he doesn't feel comfortable coming that direction anymore. And that's why he's going over there now. Or, I mean, you can think of a thousand different uh, scenarios that the end result is move your tree stand. So yeah. I, I want to challenge our listeners to if the you know scenario calls for it, do the hard work, tear down and move. I like it. It's a good it's a good reminder for all of us, for for me too, you know, kind of related to one of my challenges you gave me, but just in general, I you know like you said, when you, when you see a reason to move, you need to suck it up, deal with the inconvenience of it and just get there because bow hunting, especially for mature bucks, it's a game of inches. It's all the little details. And if you're, you know, 50 yards away from a buck, that doesn't do you a look of good if you can only shoot to 35 or whatever it might be. So yep. you gotta be in the exact right spot. So right. that's an awesome challenge. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully all these challenges, pay off, you know, in, let's say I sit all day and I don't see anything. I can say that I sat all day and I didn't see anything. So it just, it actually helps me know that, Hey, if I'm in this area, should I sit all day? Maybe not. Maybe I should, you know, and the same with your challenges. Should I try to find, you know, should I use this access route for this wind direction or, um, should I maybe try to hunt this morning, you know, couple years from now after you see the results of of the uh of the challenge this year i mean it's all about breaking the rut and getting outside of your comfort zone and that can lead to more information and as we all know more information helps kill deer yeah and and even if you try these new things and you fail yep. you can st you still learn something from them so you, you're trying something new you'll either you know you'll, your eyes will be open to a new thing and a new tactic or a new idea and you take that away or you do it and you find out, well, hey, this doesn't work because of X or this didn't work because of Y. And if you, you know, like you and me always say, if we, if we go into a hunting season and we look at each hunt with uh, like your analysis hat on. Mm -hmm. So you always look at it and you always ask why never just go hunting and then something happens and then just move on to the next day. I always like try to sit back and, and look at that day, like that night when you get back or in the next morning. You know, think about the day's hunt and why did certain things happen? Why didn't certain things happen? And try to learn something from every single encounter, every single hunt. And if you do that enough, it really adds up. And it can completely change how you hunt. So, I Right. And I tell you one last thing, and maybe we, you know, this can help get us a little bit of interactive, um, if you want to do this or not, Mark, is let's start, let's start a hashtag for our social media friends, whether it's Instagram or it's uh, Facebook or Twitter. Let's put together a hashtag and hashtag like W2H challenge. All right. The wire to hunt challenge. And you guys can maybe throw some challenges our way as well, or we can throw some challenges your way and, you know, and maybe help refine the way we hunt. I like it. I think it's a good idea. Let's, uh, W hashtag W2H challenge. If you've got any comments about what we're talking about here, or if you want to, you know, add to any of the things that me and Dan have said when it comes to our challenges, or if you already have some thoughts on the challenges we sent out to you guys, let us know on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram with hashtag W2H challenge. And to enter 
the challenge to get a to potentially win a Fanatic hoodie, go to wiredtohunt.com slash episode 57. Once you complete one of our challenges and write up a response explaining, you know, what happened, what were the results, what you thought about it. And, you know, we'll look at those, assuming, you know, they're they're well, you know, if you actually took the time to give a good response, you'll be entered and we'll pick one of those people randomly and you'll win a an awesome fanatic hoodie. So <coughs> I got a little scratch in my throat here. But I think Dan that uh that's gonna wrap it up for us. Short and to the point today. Short and to the point. But I think we got some good stuff, some good challenges, some good things for us to try out this year. And like you said, you have to get out of the rut. You don't want to get stuck doing the same things year after year. So that's our challenge to you guys. That's our challenge to ourselves. And I think we all, if we do these things, if we try new things and learn from them, we might just have the best season of our lives. So that is going to be it for us today. And again, sorry this is a short episode, um, but I'm packing to head out for a huge road trip. So I'm kind of chaotic and Dan's got, you know, the whole new baby thing. So keeping it short and sweet. But before we let you go, as always, we do want to thank our partners who help make this podcast possible. So big thank you to Sitka Gear, Trophy Ridge, Bear Archery, Redneck Blinds, Huntera Maps, Ozonics, Carbon Express, Lacrosse Boots, and the Whitetail Institute of North America. And thank you all for joining us today. We appreciate your time. And, uh, you know, we're all excited. Me and Dan are definitely excited to hear back from you about the challenges, what you think about them, and how you're going to participate. So thanks for that. Have an awesome week and stay wired to hunt. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.